This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For three years, Mark Collins played defensive back for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was on arguably the best team to never win a Super Bowl, that 1995 Kansas City Chiefs team. We all know what happened. A kicker that we won't mention missed a couple of field goals in a big-time playoff game that cost the Chiefs to go home early. But Mark Collins isn't letting that get in the way of what really happened during that playoff game against the Indianapolis Colts. Here's my latest conversation with two-time Super Bowl champion, defensive back Mark Collins. You played with four different teams, won two Super Bowls in New York. You you go to Seattle, you go to Green Bay, you, you play in Kansas City, but you settled here in this town. What about Kansas City was where you wanted to settle and raise your family? Well, I tell you, Bob, when I was uh, in California, uh, I did a sports talk radio show when I retired and had the opportunity to come here to work. And I did it and uh, did it for a little while and just decided to stay. Now, when I moved out here, the market, the 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 housing market in California crashed, and the timing was perfect. Uh, my dollar goes a lot further here in the Midwest than it does on the West Coast, but uh, it, it's a great community. I love here in, in Overland Park, Kansas City area. Uh, there's no stress. Yeah. And I tell people, not too much, but this is a, uh, a very uh, great place to live because I don't want people to come here and, <laughs> and oversaturate it. <laughs> but it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's great. You know, great people here, uh, sports, great fan base. Uh, for the most part, more times than not, I say 95% of the time, you're going to get honest answers from from honest people, and I like it. Yeah, it's interesting because every time I check out Facebook, you're doing one charity for cops, you're doing one charity for kids. I mean, like, you're involved in everything from a charity aspect. There's, like, nothing going on where you're not involved in something. Yeah, I, I, I've been doing that since college. So this is nothing new to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I get out, and, and if someone needs help, a charity needs help, if I'm available, I'm there for them. Uh, uh, not just in the local in the community, but nationwide. I, you, you saw my Facebook page. I, mm-hmm. I travel a lot, and uh, I just enjoy helping people because you never know. You you, you got to put yourself in that position. What would you do? Would you ask for help? Would you want somebody <clears throat> who is, I guess, quasi known or known to help you? Absolutely. So that's all I try to do. How did you get started in college with that? Because as a college kid, I know the first things in my mind was beer, then pizza, <laughs> then women. I mean, you're out there doing charity. Well, that stuff. was that was on on my mind too. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I was I was I did that too. But mm-hmm. um, you know, that was a kid uh, in in on the Cal State Fullerton. His dad burned him, put, took him to a hotel, and and set him on fire. What? Yeah, yeah, uh, and and. At 18 and 19, I, I I was a leader on that team, on our Cal State Fullerton team. So I went to our coach, Gene Murphy, and uh, made a suggestion that we uh, go visit that kid in the hospital. And and it, it, it took off from there, and that was it. So His father burned him? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it is a, it's a story. Uh, Dave Roth, Rothenberg, uh, his, I think that's the name, he just passed away, um, I think, uh, last year. Uh, so yeah, he, his dad took him to a, a hotel and set him on fire. And that was that was a tragic situation because I, I, I would think I was thinking, what if what if my dad did that? Well, I mean, what would you what would you do? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. So that's where it basically started, and that's something that you know, if you care to look it up, you can look it up the history. But 
But I've always been involved in charity and trying to help people the best I can. Did that that kind of set the tone for you at that young age of how you were going to be a dad? Because I see what you working with your kids. You got one at South Dakota State. Like, like have that impression. Like, if I'm a father ever, man, I'm going to be above and beyond the, the best dad I can be. Well, I, I, I try. I mean, uh, I, I tell anybody who willing, who's willing to listen, uh, I run for Father of the Year every day. <laughs> and uh, I enjoy it. I, to see my kids grow up and the fun that they have and I have with them, I think is great. So, you know, I'm, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. What's the most fulfilling thing you've been a part of? Obviously, you've done a lot for cops, for kids, started back in college. What's the most fulfilling thing you've been a part of where at the end of the day you went, damn, that was unbelievable? I, I don't know. I never thought about it. I, I don't think I've done it yet. I really don't think I've done it yet. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, uh, I don't know. It, that's a great question. I have no idea. I just, I'm just still in it. And uh, when, it's, when I'm looking at the ceiling of the church, maybe I'm thinking about it then, but not now. <laughs> well, I think that's a good answer, too, because you could look back and say, maybe you've already accomplished everything, but maybe it's something that keeps you going. You haven't really experienced that yet, and maybe every day it's something different. Instead of, it's just a golf tournament, you never know. Yeah, you know, you know what, Bob? Every, every day is different, man. Every, every day. Like golf. Every shot is different. I mean, you, you, you play football, baseball, and basketball. The field and the course, they're the same. They don't dimensions. Don't change one well, the outfield. Sometimes in different parks, it mm-hmm. does. But it's still, you know, you run in the first base, the pitcher's mound, it's still the same distance. But in golf, everything's different. You know, no two shots are the same. Uh, no holes are the same. And each day, that hole plays some, a pin plays some moves every day. So it's a different shot. It's just like life. You just keep going, and there's going to be curves in the road, and there's going to be opportunities for you to help people. And sometimes some people may need to help you. You mm-hmm. ask for it. So I just live every day each, uh, to the fullest, and... And enjoy it. You had the opportunity to come to Kansas City after, what, eight years with the Giants, winning two Super Bowls, kind of at the top of your career. And and you come to Kansas City, and you're part of that mid-'90s defense with DT and Neil Smith. And, I mean, mean, the list goes on and on and on. Dan (laughs) Salamu, James Hasey. I mean, there's a lot of dudes on that team. Dale Carter. You you guys were kind of that group that put Kansas City football back on the map. How cool was it to be part of kind of that renaissance of football here in Kansas City? Well, I don't know. I, I got here late, so I, I, I those guys, uh, before I got here, my three years in Kansas City, they, they already set the tone. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer uh, set the tone of the team uh, with defense. Chris Nicoy, that, that tough running back, hard-nosed football. Marty set that tone. I was just glad to be a part of it for those three years. Uh, defensively, uh, I, I tell anybody right now, I played on some great defensive teams. That mm-hmm. that defensive team we had in 1995 was up there. That that's that's a championship caliber team, and we fell short on that. But uh, it, we we had a, we had a great run. When you have a championship caliber defense like that, and you finish 13 and three, and you have that horrible exit in the playoffs, do you look back and go, "Man, we could have done more. We should have done more"? Because I think most people would agree that that '95 Chiefs team probably one of the best of all time. Yeah, I, I, and I'll tell you, Bob, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to curse you out or curse anybody out. <laughs> That's the toughest loss in my 13-year career, that one. Wow. Yeah, that because we, we were solid. We were solid against the run, against the pass, everything. We were a solid team. We were just we were good. Uh, I'm just happy and blessed that I, I got the chance to play in two Super Bowls, well, played in three, uh, but winning two Super Bowls before I got here because there's some guys on that team who never would have had that chance. That was their opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, and they never w- would have gotten that again. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it, that, that still hurts.
it still hurts. So what was it like in the locker room after that game? <laughs> well, from my I'm just giving my actions yeah. were, was I walked in, I threw my hat, my helmet uh, against the wall. It shattered. And I went to Carl Peterson and told him, um, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. You quit that day? Yeah, because uh, with a team like that, and what happened that whole week, uh, we, we worked harder that week than we ever did the whole season. And I don't, I don't, everybody wants to blame that loss on, on uh, Lynn Elliott missing three field goals. Sure. I, I don't think so. We led the National Football League in, in rushing that year, I think, uh, running the ball. And the Colts were the last team against the rush. And that whole game, we're throwing the ball, and they're dropping eight people. There's nowhere to throw. Mm -hmm. And we lose that game 10-7. to 7. Sure. So you, I, I, I look back and I think about all, not all the time, but more times than not, more times than I should, um, the coaches lost that. They lost the game. How do you – I mean, we're, we're 25 years later after that, and you're still kind of replaying that game in Oh, because it, it, bother, it bothers the, the hell out of me. You, you can say that's podcast. <laughs> oh, it, it, it bothers me. You know, it's just one of those things that you know. And, and I'm, I say it because I've been there. I know what it takes. I've been there twice. Yeah. So I, I know the heartbeat. I know the pulse. I know the – I can read the players. I know it. That costs – and I was being selfish because when I came to Kansas City, I'm looking for another ring. I already got two. I'm, I'm greedy that mm -hmm. way. I wanted some more jewelry. Uh, and that, that, that cost me to a third ring. So I was a little pissed at that. And I, and I was really pissed at the point where, um, you know, when you have a team like that, you have a, you have a thoroughbred team like that, and you run us into the ground the whole practice with three-and-a-half-hour practices, and then by the time you get to the game, you change the whole game plan and then we lose. Mm -hmm. So I never blame Lynn Elliott for those missed kicks. I blame Marty Schottenheimer for doing it. Yeah, why do you think he did that, though? I mean, because you guys were never really a passing offensive team that year. I mean, obviously you could throw the football if you had to, but when you got Marcus Allen uh, running Kimball the football, Anders. Kimball Anders running the football, <laughs> how do you get away from that? Like, it, it, And it's not just Marty. I mean, we see a lot of it with Andy Reid, too. I don't like, know. These coaches like just overthink things, and they have these brain farts, and they, they, they crap the bed. I don't know, but all I know is this. That cost us, this city, a, another Super Bowl win. Uh, Super Bowl opportunity, mm -hmm. uh, and I think this town really needs it. Um, and that 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 just it is the way it is, you know. And, and here's the situation, and everybody's different. And I, I get I, I I get why the fans are upset, and and I I just don't understand why the coaches would change, like why, why Marty would change the game plan, mm -hmm. uh, work with Bill Parcells, and then going to Green Bay with Holmgren. Those guys knew how to, you know, hey. We got a good team here. Let's ease up a little bit and let's uh, let these guys rest up and play for the end game. Uh, Marty never knew to do that, and everywhere he's went, mm -hmm. he went. He same thing. Right. He had a hell of a team down in San Diego. What happened? Same I, thing. Same thing. That's there's a history there. So. Uh, I don't know, but that still bothers me. Let's talk about something else. No, that, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, because you, you, you win two Super Bowls with the Giants, right? And obviously Parcells is one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. So leading up to those postseason games, you're supposed to dial everything oh, back. Yeah, because uh, we, yeah, we're good. We're, we, they know 
the teams we have. You know, we're good. We're, mm-hmm. We'll be all right. Let's, let's, let's go for the end game. Some coaches just don't know how to do it. So. Right. <laughs> so what did Carl say after you slammed your helmet and told him you were well, out of here? How I, I did told, he react? I told Carl, I told him, I said, you got two options, cash or check, because I'm going to give you your, your sign-up bonus back. And I got on the plane, went back to California. Well, he called uh, in February, came out to visit in an Ontario airport. I met him there, and we had a lunch at Marie Callender's. Oh, nice. And Lovely goes, spot. He says, Mark, if you come back, we will uh, redo your contract and, you know, do all this other stuff. Now, from 94 to 95 season, they, I moved from corner to safety because mm-hmm. they brought James Hasty in. And Carl asked, would I make that move? I said, absolutely. I'm a team guy. Sure. Went in, had a great year that year. And he came out to California after the game uh, and said, if you have the season that you had in 95, we'll we'll do your contract and all this other stuff. That man shook my hand. Got on the plane, went back to, uh, to Kansas City. Well, I come back in 96, all pro, team MVP, Led the team in tackles, all this interception, all this other stuff. I'm, I'm the team MVP. I get cut. And I went to his office. I was going, you know, I'm going to tell you something. You shook my hand, and this, you cut me. I've done everything you asked, and this is how you treat me. This mm-hmm. is, I said, what you just did to show everybody on this team, no matter what you do, you're expendable. Well, Mark, and went to Marty. Yeah. And I told Marty to his face, both of them, you would never win because you treat people like good people like this. And you can't do that. And I said, and I left. And that was a guy on the plane. I went back to California. So I, I lost I lost a lot of respect for, and and still that respect is, is, is not there yet. I don't, I really give two shits about, well, I, I better tone it down. But that, that bothers me. When you shake a man's hand, you honor that deal. He couldn't do it. Wow. Okay. I mean, that that's like, I, I go, where, where do I go next from there? Because, I mean, <laughs> you're laying all this out about Carl Peterson, and for 20 years they had an opportunity to try to win something here in Kansas City and could never get over the hump. And they went through a bunch of different head coaches, Vermeil, and sure. obviously that wasted years with Gunn or whatever it was, his head coach and Marty, could never get it over the, over the top. So what do you think was the common denominator, and is this organization still possessing that right now? I don't now? know. You know, I was at the game last year. And against uh, the Titans, and I, I, I'm in the suite, and I, I, I love the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't get me wrong, but I, and I said to my sons there, and I got some of my business partners there. And I said somebody has made a deal with the devil. Somebody in this organization has made a deal with the devil, mm-hmm. and the devil is is getting his rewards now, because we had teams in the '90s, in the 2000s, who were damn good teams. And you get bounced from the playoffs uh, in the first round. So I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but that's and I came up with that because it was just fun to say, I guess. But yeah, but uh, it was just one of those things, man. Because you, you, there's no way in hell you can have the teams we had in, in a 1995 team, and then Vermeil had a team he had in two, was that 2000, 2003? Three. Yeah, man, that's some power. That's some power there, right? And nothing comes of it. So you know, somebody, so I don't know who it was. But um, it's almost like the team is kind of cursed. So, I, I'm under the 
belief of like you ever watch the Long Island Medium? You ever watch her show on TLC? She talks to the dead, right? I don't like. Maybe she talks. I don't know, but I like it. It's very entertaining. If it's not golf, or you know, I'm I'm not watching. Okay, but it's it's very entertaining. And she goes in and she sages Uh all the rooms where she lights sage on fire, and that's supposed to cure the demons and get rid of the demons. So I've been saying for years I wanted to do it out at the Truman Sports Complex, but then the Royals won the World Series in 2015. So I'm like, all right, clearly it's not the sports complex out there. Maybe we need the sage inside of. Arrowhead Stadium. So are you a believer that maybe we need to do that to clean out some of these bad spirits and demons from Arrowhead Stadium? You know what? I, 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 you want to go that far? That's up to you, Bob. But I, it, it, <laughs> something's going on, man. But think about it. Something's yeah. going on. I mean, I mean, I don't know. That that's 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 good. I, if that if you could get in there and put some in your back pocket and sort. Get your little sage stuff and light on fire in the smoke. Yeah, you should do that. I, I definitely should do that. <laughs> All right, so you were part of the Giants in 86, phenomenal defense. Yeah. The Giants in 90, phenomenal defense. Chiefs in 1995, which is the best defense that you were a part of in your NFL career? I, I, that 86 team was special. We we were we were dominant. Um, funny you bring that up. We uh, had our Giants alumni uh, deal back in New York um, for September 9th game. And uh, Emory Moorhead started with the Giants, doing with the Denver thing, and won his ring in Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, oh, about the defense in Chicago. So I said, well, dude, you know, our defense in 86 was you know, pretty damn good, too. And Lionel Marshall was right there talking. Yeah, we're... So he started talking. He started talking. I said, well, okay. Uh, and, and, and statistically, they had us. We were both ranked number one. Mm-hmm. And they had us by a few yards against the rush. But uh, that, that team we had in 86, was, we're, we're, we were good. Uh, our 1990 defense. We were very solid, uh, especially, uh, you know, all, all over. That defense was solid, too. I mean, there was no weak, no weak spots. And 95 Chiefs team, man, we were so good. We, I think the last game of the season in 1995, we played Seattle. And I think we held them to like 100, like 85 yards total offense. Jeez. I, I think Rick Meyer was the quarterback. We just <laughs> shut them down. And I, I, would, I would probably say 86 Giants defense, 90, and then the Chiefs, 95. Yeah. But, uh. That '95 defense should have a ring on it. They, they say it should be, it should be a, a Super Bowl defense. That that's got to be kind of like a cool feeling to walk in after a game and look up and you go, "We have up 85 yards today." Like, how fulfilling has that got to be? Yeah, it's great because you know we after the game uh, on the Sunday, we'll come in on the Monday and we we, we set our our, our goals. Uh, and you come in that Monday and you hit all those goals, you you automatically you know, puff up your chest. Yeah, pretty good. And you do it consistently, you know, week in, week out. Now, now you get the recognition throughout the league. Everybody mm-hmm. goes, "Hey, that's that's a good defense." We and then you know you got some good there. Uh, we weren't we weren't up and down. We were pretty solid and pretty much uh, ascending. So we were we were damn good. Now I look back, man. We had some talent on that team. They, they, they couldn't throw on us. They couldn't run on us. We were just just good. You played with Derek Thomas, obviously. You played with Lawrence Taylor. We'll get to him in a minute. But I think for, for Kansas City fans, we hear these stories about Derek Thomas and, just, and saw how dominating he was. Yeah. You played alongside this guy. What's your favorite Derek Thomas story? Oh, I, I, can't, I can't tell those stories. <laughs> I, 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 I shouldn't tell those stories. Do they have but, to do with North of the River? <laughs> well, I, I mean, Derek, we, okay, when I came to Kansas City, uh, I brought some of the things that we did in New York here. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Thursday, we, I call it defensive back night, DB night, where 
the elder statesman would take the DBs out. I'll pay for the first time, and then every other Thursday, we're going based on years to the right. rookies doing. And I don't think they did that here in Kansas City. So Derek liked it, and, you know, he, to a point. Hey, Mark, we guys going to meet afterwards? Let's, let's talk. So we're going to do a draw DB night, eat and drink and have fun and talk about the upcoming game. And then me and Derek will always meet, you know, down at the plaza, have a cocktail or two, and just discuss, uh, you know, the upcoming game. Which was, which was funny, and he, he just wanted to sit and just talk. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we knew he, he was a great player. We knew his his antics off the state off the field. But when he when he sat down and talked to you, and we, he 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 was getting information. From, he was feeling me like, okay, what would Lawrence do here, or what would how'd you got and just getting information, uh, and that was kind of cool. And I, I respected him for that. Was he was he just like? In a different world above everybody else on that Chiefs team. Not necessarily was Lawrence Taylor or anything like that, but on that Chiefs team. Was he just that much better than everybody else on the field every Sunday you went out there? His his willingness to compete was unmeasurable. The biggest knock on Derek, and I told him this to his face, is you shut it off sometimes. And and that's something you can't do. You got to keep going. Hell, he, he's... Probably one of the best defensive players in the league history. Yeah. But there's some games you want to hear his name. And I told him that. I mean, I played ball with Reggie White, played with Carl Banks, Lawrence Taylor. Uh, you hear those guys' names all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes, you know, Derek would go through a game without a tackle. Um, he got his attention, but that's it was what it was. Because he, he could have been dominant week in, week out, week in, every day, just boom, boom. Um, and there's sometimes, you know, I don't know if he, he didn't he didn't want to do it or he just wasn't feeling it or sometimes some guy just got your number that one day. Sure. That's all. That happens too. Do you, do you look back at that crew of DT and Neil and Dale Carter and you guys and go, man, what a crew we had here. I mean, we got ego, 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 great player, great player, great player, and we still went out there on Sunday and were able to put it together because some teams can't get by having all those superstars in one room. We had great leadership. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, Marcus – Joe Montana, myself, uh, we we came from teams <laughs> with Bill Walsh. Ronnie Lott came in uh, for a camp. Yeah, uh, Marcus played out there with under Art Shell. Uh, so and we won rings. I'm on the me on the Bill Parcells. We that leadership was was those guys that I know. I know Derek and uh, Neil and and Derek Carter. Those guys and Dan. You know, yeah, some egos there, but when you have leaders like that and guys with the rings and say, "This is the way we got to get this done," those guys listen, and that that was great. Uh, it's just unfortunate the coaches didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> how how as a player though can you get to a coach and say, "Hey, coach, man, I think we need to be doing it this way instead of doing it the way that you want to do it because the way you want to do it hasn't worked." And I've come from a place where we have one super. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You know, Marty Marty would bring he had this like the star chamber of guys mm-hmm. who brought in me, Marcus, Joe, uh, Jeff Criswell, uh, Dave Zott. Older guys, uh, Grunny was I think one of I think Grunny's about. So anyway, he bring us in and ask us, hey, what what did this guy do this time this part of the year? 
Mark, what a part of Well, we're, we're up here. We, we got that, you know, Division One. Mm-hmm. Let's he'll ease it down and shorten the practice, more film study. He'll ask Marcus and Joe, all this other stuff. Probably get the same answers. And he would take that information and do the opposite. And that was very disappointing. Well, what are you asking us for? Why, why are you asking us what would they do and then you don't use it? Right. That's the point where I, you know, that's when I lost it after the 95 game. Sure. So. Did, did Marcus lose it after that 95 game too? Because Joe had already gone. That, he wasn't yeah. here for that game. But did, did Marcus and some of the other veterans have that same type of response that you did? I don't know because I, 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 was, I, was, I had blinders on. I, was, I, was, I wasn't seeing anything, just me and things in front of me. And I left. That was it. Did you leave in uniform? Did you walk out in your uniform and get in the car and drive home? And no, no, as a matter of fact, I didn't shower. <laughs> you didn't? No. No, I did not shower. I got in my car. I showered. I took my clothes off, got dressed, and just left. Gone. I, I just... That, see, I'm, it hurts me now still. I know. That bothers me. It, oh. Listen, I got two great rings. Well, two and a half great rings because I lost in Green Bay. But right. When you know you got a good team like that, and, and not just me self, being selfish... Man, can you imagine the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, and and, and stop talking about what sixty nine is what them when they win it? Yeah, that's so long ago, right? <laughs> Man, I could have been a part of something special. This this this, this town needs a, a football championship. It does, yeah, it really does. And is that what bothers you more than anything? Is yeah. that you didn't get it done for the city. Yeah, or, yeah. It, it pisses me off. I'm like, Shh. yeah. Man, <laughs> God, but you know, I, I hope. Uh, They'll get on the right track and get it done. Because Arrowhead in the '90s, man, like that was an amazing place to go watch a football game and play. I can only imagine being a player on the defense in those years and seeing that crowd around you. What that was like? Yeah, we 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 fed off the crowd. We really did. I mean, we knew each other. Uh, we always had each other's backs. But uh, feeding off that crowd, man, it was it was, it was fantastic. Soon you you you. You stand for the uh, for the, the national anthem up there, and then the home of the cheese, man. That that pumps me up. Then the flyover, all, oh. and then we we piss it away, <laughs> and don't give. The- <laughs> so how was ninety five for you? Oh Mark? Jesus! Stop it, Bob! Stop it. Um, the, the two the, the two Super Bowls that you guys won in New York, and the first one, 1986, and, and, and I think a lot of people understand, you know, 86 was an interesting year in New York because the Mets were winning the world championship yeah. at the same time. Take me to 1986 New York City and what it was like for being a professional athlete that was a championship team and having another championship team in town. Yeah, but see, one thing about New York, uh, they love their sports, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, the Mets won the, the series, uh, and we won later that year. Uh, but the Giants haven't done anything prior to 1986 as far as championship-wise. It's been 30 years, mm-hmm. honor like the Royals, right. when they won their, their, this championship. Um, you can feel the fervor of the city. We, when, they know when you got something good. Uh, they know. They feel the pulse of the team. From a Giants perspective, I think uh, uh, New York football is bigger than Mets baseball. Uh, very comparable to Yankee baseball, which is in New York is off the charts. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can feel it. Uh, you know, we we started that year. We lost to Dallas, and then we went on. We won, I think, ten straight. Yeah, and then lost to Seattle, and then won out. Mm-hmm. But it was a great feeling. Uh, you could feel the city. And then we, even though we played in Jersey, spent a lot of time in Manhattan. Uh, 
as a rookie starting on that defense, they, they knew you. They knew me. Uh, I never had to pay for a drink, uh, which was good. Yeah. Uh, even now, I just went back and didn't pay for a drink. Yeah, with New York City prices, it's great, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I, I tell you, Bob, it's, it's, you got that ring, man. You got that first ring. They never forget the first one. No. Because as I told the young guys who was back there, I said, we started this thing with this 86. Then we got it again in 90. I know you guys got 2000, 2007, 2011, but let's keep it rolling. But the fans never forget that first one. They never do. And and the interesting thing was Lawrence Taylor on that team because he was – I don't know that he even came to training camp that year. I think he just showed up for the first game that season. Well, he, he, he was in camp. He was uh, in yeah, camp that year? Camp, yeah. Because there were years where he didn't bother showing up to training camp and do his thing, right? Well, I mean, he was well, that dominating. Well, well, he had to come to camp. But Lawrence – there are certain players, Bob, that got a little leeway. Sure, you know? he's yeah. one of those players. Yeah. Uh, but he 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 come to camp. He was always always ready to go. Uh, never took a playoff. When his name was called, he answered the bell. Yeah, and that's that. That's all you want from a player, uh, from a uh, a teammate. That's what you, that's all you want. What what he or she or they do off the field. Hey, man, that's cool. That's on you. I, I, I started people's business. Mm-hmm. But when you cross those white lines, you're ours and we're yours. We got to go to work. Uh, he's always done that. He's always answered the bell. Did you uh, <laughs> Did you ever see him running around with Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden at all? <laughs> no, I, I, I did not. Uh, we, I mean, we all get all clicks. You yeah, know, when sure. I go to the city, I, it was me, Pepper Johnson, and me and our banks would show up. and We just go to a place called the China Club. And Lawrence would come in a little, every now and then, get in, get out. And we hang out there, and Eddie Murphy's there, and uh, Tyson would show up, and, you know, we had a good time. But, it, it, you know, other than that, I, I don't don't know all who Lawrence hung with. All I, What I do know is that man always showed up. <laughs> when his name, his name was called, right. he made play. We'll get back to our conversation with Mark Collins in a moment, but I just wanted to tell you about the great place that is Red Door Grill. Every single day, we decide where we're going to go for dinner, and we pick Red Door Grill because they've got something for everybody. My kids can love on their chicken tenders, I can get their delicious salmon salad, and my wife can get one of the great burgers that they have there every single day of the week. And really, every day, Red Door Grill has something for everybody, whether it's the $5 burgers on Monday, whether it's the jalapeno dip fried chicken on Thursdays that has been perfect it to be the best fried chicken you have ever had or even that weekend brunch that they have on Saturdays and Sundays Red Door Grill truly has something that everybody can love on their menus I also talk about that salmon salad but the calamari appetizer is something that I crave all the time and every time I'm in Red Door Grill I'm ordering that calamari so get the great brunch on the weekend get the $5 burgers on Monday get that jalapeno dip fried chicken on Thursday and enjoy happy hour every Monday through Friday from 4 until 7 and we'll see you at Red Door tonight. So it, it's good because DT was asking about Lawrence Taylor. Like, if you play that position, that should have been the guy you looked up to. It should have been the guy you modeled your career after. Yeah. Could DT have been as good as Lawrence Taylor? We discussed that one time when I first got to Kansas City and went to Derek's house. And he had a... Well, we, go, we all... I'm in the locker room and, and Neil, Neil Smith started it. And Neil goes, Hey, hey, Mark, Mark. Man... Uh, DT say he better than Lawrence Taylor, and we're in the locker room. Right. I say, hey, look, no disrespect, but Derek is no Lawrence Taylor, and Derek got mad. He got mad at me. I said, hey, you can be mad all you want, but you know, this guy, he got Super Bowls. He got this. He's this. 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 Don't take plays off. Never been shut out of a game. 
So, no, Mark, all right, whatever. We go to his house, we talk. He has a mural of Lawrence Taylor in his house. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, could you, you hate being a, a, a late to the program prognosticator, but, right. you know, Derek, Derek, Derek was Derek, and Lawrence was Lawrence. Um, Lawrence changed the 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 landscape of of football on the offensive side. Right. Uh, he 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 started guys teams looking at left tackles. <laughs> so, uh, and Derek was a phenomenal player. I mean, the speed off the corner when he dips that shoulder and, and gets off field, he was unstoppable. Uh, but they're, they're two different players. Lawrence was a bigger player. I've never seen a man that big move that fast. Uh, Derek was a, a smaller linebacker, uh, big legs, smaller upper body, but he has he, he had quickness. Uh, so to compare and contrast. Yeah, because I think with the DTLT type of thing, same type of position, you know, people think they're kind of a, a similar type of player, right? Position-wise, yes. Yeah. But from a physicality part of it, no. 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 Lawrence, he's a big, he was a big man. He was a big man. Now, remember, with the Giants, we had Carl Banks on one end and Lawrence Taylor on the sure. other. Now, in today's NFL – Lawrence was about maybe 255, 260, maybe 265, 6'4". Carl about 6'4", 6'5". And these guys are standing up. In today's NFL, these guys are in the three-point stands defensive ends. Mm-hmm. These guys stand up, and they can cover backs out of the backfield. Uh, so it's, 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 to me, it's not a tough comparison. Lawrence was just... A man that big who can run, and Carl Banks was another. And Carl Banks is on the uh, list to be uh, being nominated for the Hall of Fame, which I think he should make it. Um, and Leonard Marshall, but mm-hmm. you know, but uh, Derek, man, he, I'm telling you, his his speed off the ball was, was was remarkable. You went and played in Super Bowl 25 as well. Some will say the greatest Super Bowl ever with the way that it ended with Scott Norwood missing the field yeah, goal. Yeah. You're on the field, you're down there, you're looking, you're waiting for that whole thing to take place. What's the sideline like in a moment like that? Well, I was I was one of the guys, when that, you go back a week before that, we beat San Francisco out in San Fran, mm-hmm. uh, and Matt Barr made that field goal. I started, I, I go to the sideline because my job is done. So I go to the sideline and I, I, I turn my back to the field and I started praying. And next you know, all these other guys are coming in, making a circle, and we're holding hands. And I'm wishing bad thoughts. <laughs> I'm good thoughts on us to win. So in Buffalo, same thing. I said, well, it worked last week. Let's do it this week. So I go down, get on my knees, and circle and wishing bad things on Norwood. Mm-hmm. And it worked out both in our favor. So, But that was, that was a great game. That game was fantastic because we weren't supposed to win. Right. Uh, we were, I think, 10-point underdogs. And we played Buffalo earlier that year in New York. I think we lost twenty one seventeen, something like that. And um, Sims got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt, hurt his ankle, broke his ankle. Then Hostel, Jeff Hostel, came in and finished the deal. We lost. Um, and we 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 never thought we'd see Buffalo again. But if we did, we knew we'd beat them. So mm-hmm. there's no big deal. The funny thing about that thing is, we go out that night. So Buffalo stayed in town. At the hotel, they went back the next day. So we're we all go to the same place. I mean, they're in Buffalo, right? But they left the next the next day. So Bruce Smith and 
Nate Odoms and John Talley and some of the guys were, were in Manhattan and they go to the to the China Club mm-hmm. where I was go. <laughs> so hanging out, okay, cool. And they they're celebrating, all right, cool, okay. It's it's a regular season game, guy. But they act like they won the Super Bowl. Right. They really did. They were on the field. We got them later in the end. And it, it was it was cool. Um, the practice that we had a week in between. Yeah. And so we flew nonstop from San Francisco to Tampa. And we watched, and this is this is how smart Bill Belichick is to me. Our prior game before we played Buffalo, we were trying to watch cut-ups of a no-huddle offense, which is kind of stupid because it doesn't give you the real f- flavor of the game. Right. So we start watching the NBC live feed of Buffalo versus the Raiders. And we're sitting there goes, guys, just get your calls, make your calls as, as you watch the screen. Took a while, all of a sudden we it clicked. Well, they break the huddle, safety start making calls, and you see the alignments of the, the, the receivers. I'm aligning them, knowing exactly what's about to come. So we did that for two days, then simulated again in practice. And it was no problem, and we had no problems with the Buffalo Bills. So you knew right then and there, Belichick was pretty special, huh? Well, I, I knew that in '86. You did, oh yeah, yeah. yeah but it really cemented it. But you were a rookie. You were a rookie in '86, so everybody seemed special in the NFL then, right? And then you, yeah. you really get to learn these guys. Well, yeah, because just like anything else, it takes a little time, maybe a year before you know it. Mm-hmm. After that '87 year, '88, yeah, you knew he was he was pretty. Pretty intuitive what's going on. So is it Belichick or Brady that makes the New England Patriots tick? I think both. You know, I, you know, and I don't think Belichick's going to win Super Bowls without without Tom Brady. Um, Can Tom Brady win Super Bowls without Bill Belichick? If he's in the right system, probably yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw that with Joe Montana. Joe Montana came here and he he had the Chiefs to the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. They brought his style of play. They brought the West Coast offense over here for him. Yeah, he it was close, and I think if you take Tom Brady and put him anywhere else, except maybe you know a crappy team, right? <laughs> it'll be all right. You know, it, it, it's funny how certain plays change games and change seasons. And I think for you guys in '86, it's that fourth and seventeen against Minnesota, where yeah. Bobby Johnson catches that pass along the sidelines. You get the first down, kick a field goal, win that game, and, and you didn't lose ever again after yeah. that, right? Can one play change a season and, and flip an entire season in the right direction or maybe in the wrong direction? Uh, both ways, you could. Yeah, it, it, it really could. Uh, and that, that, that game in Minnesota, uh, Bobby catches that, that, that ball. Um, that did change. But we, we were good. We were good already, mm-hmm. and we knew it. So I don't think that would have sunk us. We were, we were pretty damn good. Um, quite conversely, uh, you Fast forward to 1990, uh, and I've been watching this. Really took a look at it uh, oh, about five years ago. That field goal that Matt Barr kicked was about an inch from being blocked. I want it, it, it should have been blocked, but for some reason, didn't get blocked. Mm. Now, of course, that would have changed us. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that was, and that was, because the guy comes in, I don't know how he missed it. About an inch, maybe less, but that was, that was something. Um, which leads me to another story. I'm going to tell a story. That's good. Uh, so, we're doing our playoff run. 
Matt Barr uh, has a uh, did some a military deal. Uh, I forget where where he went. So he told the military troops, "Hey, I'm gonna ask the team to wear yellow wristbands mm-hmm. for the troops." So he comes to the team. He comes to us. Can you get, hey guys, can we do this? And I said, "Sure, sure." Giant sign off on it. So we go out with the bands on our wrist. So we beat Chicago handily. Go out to beat San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Then we fly nonstop to go and beat Buffalo and, and Tampa. So I, we win. Everybody's happy. So I thought about this a few years ago. No one else did that. The 49ers didn't do it. The Bears didn't do it. And the Buffalo Bills didn't do it. We were the only team that did some for our troops. And we won. So I, 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 I think that that's a sign. I, I've always thought that was sure. a sign. I that, think it's kind of cool. That, that is interesting because that was the first Super Bowl where we were really in, in wartime. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. like, like that, that, was, that was the desert storm. That was true first, yeah. first real sporting event that we've had in a time of crisis. And the first real sporting event, I think, that people could use to kind of get away from what was going sure. on. And now look at where we are in 2018. We've had a lot of those things from 9-11 to where we are today in the political landscape. That was the first time in my lifetime, and maybe in other people's lifetimes too, where you looked at it and you said, that is the first real escape we had from reality. Sure, you know? sure, absolutely, and and this is where, and not on a, not to get all political, but you know, in our country, man, it, it, sports bring pe- brings people together. Uh, you watch the Olympics, mm-hmm. whether summer or winter Olympics. Whenever it's us against them, that's powerful. I watch from hockey to soccer to uh, bobsledding. It's us against them. Sure. When it's us against them in, internally, it, it shouldn't be that way. You know, and that's why I, I don't understand where someone's trying to divide us internally through sports. Right. That always brings us together. You may like you may like the Chiefs. He may like the Broncos. He, whatever. You could the banter is good. That's okay. But to to take us apart with the other stuff. That's very disappointing. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't get that. I, you know, it's it's interesting you bring that up because you do you you do look back about how sports is united, united, Always. united, and now the last couple of years, football in particular, let's call it what it is, has been kind of a divider for a lot of people. But I'm how, not going how, anymore. But how do we get there? Well, we know how we got exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's that's not right. And and and, and I could tell more stories, but I don't want to bog you down with it. But it's just it's just you know, wait a minute. We we both like the same team. We both agree about whatever we agree about. Whatever the, the protest is not taken away from the game. It's not stopping the game. It's not doing anything. It's a fundamental right being a, a, a citizen. Right. A peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. Why is it a divider? Right. And that's what football has to figure out, how to stop making that a divisive moment and get back to where we were, let's just say 2014, where sports was something that brought, like the way it brought everybody together in 2015 in this town when the Royals won a championship. Mm. I've never seen a city, no matter what color you were, no matter what religion oh, you right. were, like everybody loved everybody. It was like the October of 2015, October of 2014 was the most unbelievable time to be a sports fan because everybody was together rooting for that team. Absolutely. You're right. And Bob, and I'll tell you. So well, this is funny. I was at an event, and uh, this guy, hey Mark, uh, I just, I just totally, I given up on football. You know the protests and all this other stuff. Okay, okay man, cool, I got you. Okay. So how do you think the Chiefs going to be? I said, what, what do you give a damn? 
why do you care if you're protesting? You can't have it both ways. Right. So that's where I, you know, you get a little perplexed. Like, well, dude, come on now. You, you can't, you know, and, and it's amazing to me. And, and you, it, it, it is really not a topic. But if a person keeps making it, make it a topic and trying to, that divisiveness, mm-hmm. it's going to be. But we as, as a group of, as a country and as former players and, and, and fans, man, we got to get up that, that, get rid of that bullshit because we're in this shit, we're in this stuff together. And if you don't feel that way, then we'll always be divided. But at some point, you got to, some the people got to ask themselves, is this really an issue? Because I've been on many places, many bars and restaurants, when that national anthem's playing, they sit down and I'm standing up. And people look at me like I'm a fool. What did the guy respond when you say, why do you care if you're... He looked stupid. He had a... St- like, uh, uh. So, you know, you, you can fall prey to the bumper sticker campaign or the, the, the BS. And some people fall for it. I, I, I get it. I don't understand it, but I get it. And there are some people... And I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world, but there, but there are some guys, some people who just can't think in depth. They they just they're just topical thinkers, mm-hmm. but what I do it, it doesn't phase me because I'm still going to help people. I'm, a, I'm whenever I get the, whenever I get the the platform to talk about it, I'm a, I'm gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna talk down to people. It is what it is. If you want to believe that, you believe that. But I sure I'm gonna keep my train moving, and I got facts on myself other than made up facts. Yeah, and and it's it's funny too because when when people are upset about the protests. They're protesting one of the number one rights that we got as a country when we formed and split away from England, you know, 300 almost years yeah. ago now. Which, which, which was a violent protest back then. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I remind people, you know, you remember, you remember, you know why they had the, the Boston Tea Party uh, at the Boston Tea Party while I was there at Boston Harbor? Well, why? Well, because if it was done in western Pennsylvania, it wouldn't have the same impact. So if you do a protest at a church parking lot where some people say, oh, it shouldn't be there. Well, if you do it at a church parking lot on a Sunday, it's just a gathering. Mm-hmm. So you got to have it where it has an immediate impact, which is nonviolent. Uh, it's not affecting any, anyone. It's not anti-military or anti-police uh, department. It is what it was, inequality. But people don't understand that. Well, it, but it's not that they don't. They don't want to. Well, once again, the topical thinker. Right. <laughs> they, 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 they want to believe it's against the police and the military, and you can talk to your blue in the face to say it's not against It's not against first responders, it's yeah. not against the military, it's not against anybody like that. Do you sense that we have made progress, though, from a social aspect since the protest and the awareness has been created? Well, absolutely. I mean, in that, in that element, the, uh, the protest has reached... Uh, some who would listen, who would mm-hmm. open their eyes. Yes. Uh, do we have a still a long way to go? Absolutely, uh, because that's just how it protests go. Uh, whether it's um, you know women's suffrage, women's women's rights, voting rights, or inequality, it always it's always an evolving thing and is going to keep going. All right, let's look at this Chiefs team. We're only a couple of games into this season, but this quarterback seems to be the real deal. What do you think of Mahomes? I like him. Uh, I've, I've, I've spoke to him. I, I went out and spoke to all the draft picks from the, that class that got drafted. They allowed me to speak to all the draft picks. And I told 
I told him, and I told him, you know, directly, uh, you come here, you're going to be the face of the, of the organization. You embrace this town, they'll love you forever. Uh, do things in the community, I'm telling you, they'll love you. Uh, I know Lee Steinberg, spoke to Lee, his agent, told him the same thing. And this kid gets it. Uh, since I've been in Kansas City, I have not seen uh, a quarterback who was who really jumped in with both feet and engaged the community. Mm-hmm. He's doing stuff, charity work. He's he's the face of the, the franchise. He's here. Uh, even during the offseason, he's here. Right. <laughs> you don't see that very often. Uh, he's the guy who's, who's doing it. Uh, as for a player, look, I knew he was going to be good. And I'm not saying that because he's 2-0, but I've done some, some research on him. He, the guy can definitely play. Uh, and listen, by no means, Bob, I'm not trying to put him in the Hall of Fame after two games, but kid is special. He, he, has, he has that quality that we haven't seen in the quarterback here in Kansas City since uh, never. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and he he he's he's uh he has that uh god I know it's the it factor but he, you can tell you you talk to him you just know hey, he ain't afraid of doing anything right he, he's gonna go for it and I, that that's what you need I, I think when when I watch him play and, and I watch him in that first game against San Diego and then the second game against Pittsburgh like. You never even think twice that he's not a ten-year vet out there. Yeah, you're right. And I say this: he he he's already three years ahead of where he should be. And I'm I'm gonna quantify that. Watching the Pittsburgh game yesterday, and I'm I'm at a, a place, and I'm I'm calling the plays on from the defense side. Where's he gonna go with the ball? Mm-hmm. And I'm right ninety-nine percent of the time. He was too. I know the game. From the defensive perspective and the offensive perspective, and I was telling these guys, Pittsburgh would come up. They have four wide receivers, two on each side. Um, the Chiefs, two, two receivers, four receivers, two on each side. On his right side, on the offensive right side, the corners are, are playing bump and run. On the left side, the guys are playing five yards off with two high safeties. All right. Well, he's going to go to the side where the corners are off. I see that from the TV. He sees it. He he gets it. And then Pittsburgh's trying to screw with him. He drops back. He he looks off and goes the other way. That's smart. Because most uh, quarterbacks that age or that that with two years in the league, first time starting, they're going to force the ball because they're going to go where the coach told him to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. This guy's not like that. He reads it. And more more likely, with two, and then they, they try to trick him with the, the, the corners up and back. Now he's reading his two high safeties. Okay, well, it's 50-50. If I run, I can't lose. He runs the ball. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to watch. If you know what you're looking at. Sure. <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm just kind of looking at you going, that's pretty interesting to, to, to hear it from that perspective because from, you know, a guy who played high school football back in my day type of stuff, you know, I'm watching this kid and I'm like, he doesn't seem phased. He seems very smart out on the field. He knows exactly where he wants to go with the football. He knows exactly what he's doing out there. And I feel like, hell, I'm in, I'm in great hands with this guy. As oh, my ab- absolutely. Yeah, because he he is three years ahead where he should be. And that that's that's a tribute to, yes, Andy Reid uh, and the kid himself. He, he knows. He knows the game. And and even Alex Smith for you know, tooling him, too. I mean, mm-hmm. He's he, and he just he, he talked to the guy and he, he the guy soaked and uh, Pat soaked it all in and 
I think he's going to be. I, I think he is. He is a tremendous upside, and this is what this city needs: a quarterback that could be around for ten years as a starter. That's what the team needs, and I, I think he is the guy to get it done. Uh, I'm once again. I'm not trying to put him in the Hall of Fame, and I hope I don't jinx him by saying this. But he is the real deal. He. Uh, he, he's, he's, going to, he's going to go some pitfalls. It's going sure. to, it happens. Uh, it's just how he responds afterwards. I think he'll be he'll be fine. His dad played pro baseball, so mm-hmm. I'm sure his dad got in his ear and he watched his dad when he was growing up. You know how to handle adversity. Uh, I think it'd be just fine. This team is is a mirror image of you guys in '95. Really good on offense, but boy, they can't stop anybody on the defensive side of the football. How do you not let? That kind of nonsense start well, to divide. Well, our '95 team was we we were great on defense. Yeah, uh, offensively we we were good enough just to get it done. That's kind of the way it is here, though. But with the flip right, side, you're right. Yeah. And, and and from a defensive perspective, uh, I I think Bob Sutton got his got he, he's got the players he needs to, to win. They still got to gel together, and they will uh, hopefully sooner than later. Um, because at some point, if you, if you guys score 45, 40 points to win, they become like the, the 80s San Diego Chargers. You know, you, they want to score a lot of points, but they, they lost a lot. Again. Yeah. Um, you don't want that. So somewhere in the next, I think, two or three weeks, you, you, you're you going to see the true Kansas City Chiefs on offense and defense. Uh because it's going to balance out. And you can't score 35, 40 points every week. Because they're going to figure out Pat Mahomes. The, the, the league is not stupid. They're going to figure it out. But he's got to be smart enough to know how to you know, checkmate them. Mm-hmm. And they do. Uh, defensively, they've got to gel faster. Uh, and that, that's going to happen. It will. It always does. Uh, I, th- I think Bob Sutton's got him. He's got the players you need. I know you want Barry back, but I, I, in my opinion, I don't think he's coming back. Uh, at some point, uh, if I was general manager, I got to start looking at the end game here. Uh, you know, you got to keep the train moving. If you can't come in and, you know, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but you know, we got to try to we, we got to try to win without you. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I think they'll be okay defensively. Do you think Andy Reid finally gets a Super Bowl win in the next three years? Until well, he's got what four years left on this contract, including this year. So three more after yeah. that. Do you think he finally gets it? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, and I will tell you, I'm, I can't tell you the year, but I'll tell you why. Because everybody else is on the down end of their their dynasties. Sure, uh, Pittsburgh's on the down end uh, in the AFC. That is right. Uh, Pittsburgh's on down the down end. New England will slide back. Uh, Jacksonville maybe. The juggernaut there, but everybody else is coming back to a reality. Uh, but I think Andy will get it. Yeah, he, I don't. I don't see. I don't see why not. I don't see what's going to stop him other than you know the curse at Arrowhead. But uh, <laughs> I hope. I hope he gets it. I'll leave you with this: You're the general manager. You can draft anybody that you ever played with in your career. Who's the number one overall pick for you? Lawrence Taylor. Without a doubt. No doubt. Who's number two? Reggie White. Who's your quarterback? Me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, you talking about, well, you, I mean, in today's free agency, you remember, you could. You no, could, you got to you got to pick just players you played with. Oh, okay. 
I'll take Montana at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take Joe. Joe Joe was uh, – Joe, man, I'm telling you, I'll tell you a quick story. Now, we got to go. But no, we don't. We got all kinds of time. Oh, in that case. So, we're in New York, and I'm shutting Jerry Rice down. And he catches a touchdown. Joe, Joe comes in, throws it over my head, touchdown. They win. And Joe gets everybody. He gets everybody. He got me, and then I was blessed to play with him in Kansas City. So we go to Denver in 94, and Joe versus John Elway. Right. And Denver, I'm, they score, and they kick off. I'm a kickoff return team. And, well, we get tackled on, like, the 23-yard line. So I'm on the field, and during the game, the offense on one side and the defense on the other. Well, I'm not, I'm not getting back on the field, so I'm hanging out with the offense. I'm going to watch Joe Montana at work. So Joe gets the ball. Drive a couple of passes, spikes the ball. Joe walks over to the sideline. So Marty Schottenheimer, uh, who was, oh, God, who, uh, who's the coach uh, in Green Bay? Oh, head coach of Green Bay now. He was here. Oh, McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah. McCarthy and these guys are walking out to meet Joe. So Joe lifts his helmet. He goes, whoa, 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 stop. I got it. He goes, water. The water boy comes from around the coaches and gives Joe water. So I'm watching this, and Joe's drinking water. Just thinking. And the coach is telling him dumbfounded. The referee comes and taps Joe on the shoulder. Joe, you ready? Joe goes, yeah. Bink, 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 spikes the ball again. Now, we're moving up, following Joe. Right. And I'm watching this. And I'm going, he's walking over again. The same coaches walk out to meet Joe. Joe goes, oh, no, no. I got this motherfucker like that. I got this. Water. The water boy comes over again, gives Joe water. And ref taps him on the shoulder again. Joe, you ready? Yeah. Bing, 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 touchdown. And we win. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. You unbelievable. We win the game. So we're celebrating the locker room. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm miffed. I'm going, okay, get on the plane, come back to Kansas City. <clears throat> it's, that's a Monday night game. It's about right. 3 o'clock we land. I get in my car, still trying to think, what the heck did I just witness? Why? So I'm, I'm laying in bed. It's now 6 o'clock. And I wake up. It finally hit me. I was going, what could these coaches tell Joe Montana about the West Coast offense? So my thing was, he's, no, no. So they're stopping, he's stopping them. Don't, basically, you can't tell me squat about the West Coast offense. There's nothing that Marty could tell him or McCarthy could tell him or ha- nothing. He's got it. And he wins, he wins the game without even talking to the coaches. All those plays that he did, he did that. <laughs> No input from the coaches because they couldn't tell him anything. Right. The funniest that, that was something. That was that was unbelievable, unbelievable. So if Joe plays in '95, is the outcome different against the Colts? Yeah, because uh, I, I I think Joe would Joe would call more runs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe, you know, Bono wasn't gonna Bono was gonna do what the coach told him to do. Mm-hmm. And Steve, he got a thirteen and three, but Steve wasn't gonna check any plays. Joe would have. Hey, yeah, <laughs> we go Marcus left, right, yeah, but yeah, it would have been a different outcome. It would have been a totally different outcome. I mean, when even in '93, I think, and I wasn't here. Those those plays, I'm pretty sure against Houston, mm-hmm. Joe did that. That was Joe Montana who got the Chiefs there, right? With his play calling, can Mahomes be a Joe Montana? Yeah, I, I, I think he can. Uh, I think Andy would give him once he trusts him more, 
give him more leeway, uh, as uh, Andy and Mike did with uh, Brett Favre in, in Green Bay. Uh, once once they trust him, because I played with, with Brett too, I'm mm-hmm. in Green Bay. Man, Favre, if he likes, if he like like a, a, a defense, he check out because they, those guys trust him, and they believe in him. Uh, when you got a quarterback like that, and anytime you got a franchise quarterback, whether it's Roethlisberger or Tom Brady or Eli Manning, you trust that quarterback to get it done. Or Drew Brees, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, you trust the process and let let them work work from within. Thanks, Mark. Oh, anytime, brother. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with two-time Super Bowl champion Mark Collins. As you can see, there's always more to a story, and there's more than just Lynn Elliott missing field goals that ultimately cost the Chiefs the ultimate prize of winning Lombardi. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.